Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Also, I welcome you to the third week of The Vow. I'm going to go especially long today so I can um, teach Barry a few things that he missed. So I'm just going to keep going. Uh, I'm just kidding. Is he still in the room? He's back there. Let me keep bagging on this guy. So anyway, I love this guy. Nice work, Barry. So anyway, we were continuing. This is the third part. This is the last week of the vow. And the whole point of this really is to help, uh, if you're not married, to help build a foundation, a strong foundation for you to kind of lay as you begin to date and uh, pick that person out you're going to marry and hopefully have some principles to kind of live by. And if you are married, to help strengthen your marriage. We believe marriage are the backbones of the culture, backbones of our family. It's what God has ordained, he's put together. And so we're believing the best for you this morning. So um, raise your hands, and we did this before, but raise your hands if you're married in the house. Where's the married people? Yeah. <laughs> Jared, you're always cheering. A couple of people cheering. All right, who wants to be married? Who is looking to get married one of these days? Who's like in the future? <laughs> Nobody. So there's your options. I'm sorry. We just lost like... Nobody, because everybody's married here. So apparently that got around that the vow is going on. Don't th- you're throwing this kid a chance. Are you want to get married one of these days? Like next year? No. Parents got to sign off right now. So Adam, be careful. Your, your dad may sign you off. All right, well, you know, on a serious note, we all, you know, we are jokingly like, hey, I'm married, I want to get married, all stuff. But when you sign up to get married, nobody's thinking, hey, I want to, I want to have an adultery, right? I want to, I'm an affair. Anybody raise their hand now, like, hey, that's my goal. Nobody, right? Nobody signed up and said, hey, man, I want to be addicted to pornography. Yes, that's my goal. We're at the altar, you know, like, yeah, me, her, and, and all this porn, right? Or an emotional affair, right? Like, I'm just going to give my heart away. I know that's for you, baby, but there's other people I'm, I'm giving my heart away to, and that's where I'm going to go, right? And nobody sets up that way, right? Nobody, nobody in a million years, that's not the plan, Nobody planned to get into the spot they're in. Most of us have struggled through some of this, right? We're in a room full of people, so I know I'm talking to the right crowd, and we're talking about pornography, because that's the statistics. And so some of us are just going down the wrong path. And so today, I just really want to encourage you guys that God has a story for you, that God wants to use you. But it starts out today with the habits you have. No one plans to wreck their marriage. That's the point. It happens today, one step at a time. So the foundation matters. What we do in this moment, what we do every day, our choices, it's not like we woke up one day and be like, man, how'd I get this affair going? <laughs> you know, how'd I get stuck in this rut? There's a small choices every day. And I want to encourage you that it's difficult to build a life of righteousness, a life that God wants you to have on a foundation of sin. And so so many of us were struggling with stuff every day. And so today is like an overcoming moment. I know that kind of came across kind of harsh at the beginning there, but today's an overcoming moment for you. Today's one of those days just open your heart to say, hey, God, I want to change. God, I want you to forgive me. We're going to talk about something called shame today, something that drives us to places that we shouldn't go. And so this morning, I just want to dive in and look at Genesis 2. We've been parked on this verse the last couple weeks. It says this, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They became one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked. Amen. Nobody likes that. Cool. Sorry. These marriages are rough. Just both naked, and they felt no shame. They felt, there's a, I, can, I don't even imagine that, Jerry. What's up, man? All right, felt no shame. So the word shame here is bosh, is to feel completely worthless. You talk about shame, it's this idea of being worthless. And so here's Adam and Eve, they're naked, they're cruising along, like, yeah, what's up? You know, yeah, yeah, Jared, yeah, I'm cruising, yeah, yeah. They, they're not thinking anything of it, right? They're just doing their thing. And then shame happened, this idea of worthlessness, 
This idea of inadequacy, this, this feeling dirty, this sense of wrong, this, this hiding, this, this fear that just cripples us around the throat. You know, I think about uh, somebody has no shame. I think about my little boy, Jack, a little Jack man. And he, uh, man, you just like, hey, let's go in the shower, kid. You strip him down naked. He just runs around like crazy. Woo-hoo, you know? And then he decides, like, I'm going to go pee in the closet. Like, cool, man. That's marking your territory. I'm the alpha male, bro. I'm going to pee next. I'm just kidding. But he goes around, you know, just kind of peeing everywhere, does his thing. Like, no shame whatsoever. No identity of self. Like, no idea that that is, like, totally weird, unacceptable. You shouldn't be peeing on the carpet across the room. Sorry if you come to my house. Those stains are not urine. Those are something else. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, but sin changed everything about us. So in Genesis, you have the story of Adam and Eve created perfect. They have no self-awareness, no idea of a life apart from God. That The first thing that Adam saw when he opened his eyes was the face of God, amen? And so they had perfect fellowship with their father. And when everything changed, a centered in, Satan tempted Eve, Adam, she, she ate the apple, ate the apple, and then sin. They took a pride and said, hey, look, you're going to become like God. Your eyes will be opened. And all of a sudden, they began to have self-awareness. The sin entered in. They were separated from their father for the first time. They knew life without God right there for the very first time. And so this verse talks about this. It says in Genesis 3, 7, it says, The eyes of them both were open. They realized they were naked, this self-awareness. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. But the Lord God called the man, Where are you? He answered, I hear you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So I hid from God. So isn't this how it happens today, right? Like I came home from church a few weeks back and I left these donuts out that we had picked up, left over from Sunday morning and I left them out. They'd been out there all week, whatever. And my dog, Stella, and my boy, Jack, when we got home, had eaten some of these donuts, okay? And so the dog knows better because he's like well-trained border door. I've trained this animal. Now he's a trash hound because I'm disappointed in him. And he knows like you shouldn't eat this stuff. And so I get home, what's a dog do? hides. You know what I'm talking about? You have that pet, right? Like, you know you're in trouble. And there's Jack, like, he, he'd been in the room because we didn't know they're on the ground. And he is, like, covered in white, powdery, you know, sugary goodness. And he's living it up, you know. He's having that moment. But just like Stella, right, we hide from our sin, right? Like, we hide. Like, all of a sudden, you get caught, and you're like, no, no, you're doing good, man. I'm, I'm doing great. Doing great, man. Doing great. How, how are things going in your marriage? Man, they're good, man. They're good. Hey, you, you good on a computer? Oh, yeah, things are great. Like, we don't want to say anything about it, right? Like, we're going to hide. We're going to run as far away as possible. And this is how grown-ups do that, right? Like, we don't want to share our pain. I mean, very often do people say, hey, let me be honest with you, man. I'm, re- I'm really hurting here. Like, I'm really struggling. Like, that's a very rare conversation for someone to have as a sense of honesty because of the shame. Like, the shame of, like, I'm not good enough. Like, to disappoint somebody else. Like that is, shame is really Satan's tool to keep you in sin. Shame is really Satan's way of just, just driving you far apart from intimacy as possible. And so the way shame works is we connect the what with the who. Like we do something wrong, that's what we do, but all of a sudden we connect with who we are, and that's shame. Yeah, we sin, and that's wrong. That's, that's definitely wrong. That's what we did, but that's not who we are. That's not who we are. And in Jesus, we're set free. But Satan would like you to believe, like, hey, what you did was wrong, therefore you are wrong. And that shame just drives inside our hearts. So we're not going to be honest with our spouses, right? Like, I know we're struggling, but uh, no, it's good. It's good. I know, I know you're hurting. Uh, hey, how are things going? Oh, they're great. And we hide. We don't, we're not honest. And that's really the way that shame works in our life. And so this morning, just getting through shame. 
just getting through shame. If you write this down, this is really important. It's that secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Somebody needs to hear that. That's a good word. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. The secrets. You always say it. You're, never, you're only as healthy as your secrets. Amen? You're only as healthy as your secrets. You're only as healthy. You may think you're healthy because you can tell people you're healthy. But you are only healthy as much as you have the secrets that you're healthy. If you're not confessing, if you're not sharing that, and I promise you should share it with your spouse, you should share your struggles. But if you're not sharing that with somebody, I thank God that I have spiritual fathers in my life that I can say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with and not gonna like throw me out, right? Because I have people that see past that. There's people I trust in my life. People I have a spouse I trust in life. But man, we're only as healthy as secrets. And so secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Yeah, we went through some vows so far. This is our third vow. We went through three and then we made this. We said, one, I promise to always pursue my number two. That's, that's my spouse. That's, that's my holy hottie, right? Like that, God ordained that. That's who I'm supposed to spend my life with. So I'm gonna put her first, right? Like I'm gonna serve her. And sometimes that doesn't look like fun, right? Like I'm gonna do the dishes today. Like I'm gonna take the trash out that smells terrible. The, the, the litter box, Cats, come on, dude. What? You're cheering for the cat? Oh, cheering for the litter box. She, she's only getting pregnant, so she can't change the litter box. You know what I'm saying? I mean, is that true or what? No. I'm not, I've got another story about how I got the cat, and that's a long story because I had decided early on I was never gonna have cats because I had a litter box in my house growing up in my room. <laughs> it was not cool, and um. Long story short, I, I was not going to have a cat, and this cat got lost in this church I was working at. It was like 45,000 square feet, and it was my birthday, actually, and uh, I said, hey, we can't find the cat. It's going to die in here and starve to death, so, you know, whatever. I said, told Diane, I said, hey, if you can find the cat within 10 minutes, we'll keep the cat. It ain't three seconds into looking for the cat. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Meow. No. Why, God? Why? So now we have the cat named Cat, and Diane named it. Real original. Jack was nervous, kid named kid. All right, number two, I promise our marriage will always be built around we and not me. Man, it's about the other person. I'm gonna serve first, I'm gonna go first, I'm gonna pray first, I'm not gonna complain. I'm gonna give 100%. If you give zero, I'm gonna give 100. If you give 50, I'm giving 100. If you give 100, I'm gonna give 100. I'm not gonna do what I base, my actions on based on what you do. I'm gonna do all I can because I'm all about we. I'm about the team. I'm about the next person getting farther and faster and further than I did. So I'm going to pick you up and you're down. I'm going to try to encourage you. If I get dragging, man, kick me in the butt. I give you permission to slap me in the face and get me on track. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to be about we. That's what it's all about. And number three, the third vow of the day, I promise to confide in you and not to hide from you. I promise to confide. I promise to share. I promise to make our marriage healthy because I'm going to trust you with who I am. I'm going to give you my heart back. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hand you some of the keys that I don't want you to go into, but I know I need somebody in there, so I'm gonna kind of just say, hey, take these keys because I need some help. So I'm gonna confide in you because we're a team. We're gonna work the same direction. And so we're not gonna run from each other. We're not gonna run from each other. We're gonna run to each other, right? We're run to each other. That's, that's where God wants you, and that Satan's gonna say, do everything he can to break that apart. It says this in Ephesians 5.8. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are once darkness. What is this darkness? You are once in sin, you're once living in secrecy. And now you are in light. You are free. You are free to God. You're intimate with Jesus. You know, it's so easy to drift back to the darkness, amen? Like, we can be in the light, like, positionally, like, in our head. Like, I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm a, a savior, saved by Jesus. But then, practically, we can live in the darkness. So, head, we know this. But living over here, 
where you have two different things. You know, ever gone to like a movie theater and you go in, it's like, whoa, it's so dark, can't find your seat, you know? And your eyes adjust. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's kind of kind of light in here. And then you go out that door, you know, I'm talking about, and all of a sudden it's like, this is kind of glory. God's there, and your eyes are like, wow, I can't see anything. And you're tripping over the trash can, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my eyes adjusted. You know, your eyes always adjust to where you walk. You walk in the darkness, your eyes adjust to the darkness. You might be fooling yourself today. You may think you're in the light, but you might be walking in the darkness. Amen. Some of us might be going down the path you may not think you need to be on. You might be like, I'm good. I'm totally good. Are you? Are you good? I know it's a little heavy thought, but are you good? Like the light sometimes doesn't look the way you think it does. You might be just adjusted down a little bit. Maybe there's some habits in our life. Maybe there's some thoughts in our life. Maybe there's some, something we give our heart to. Maybe we're just like, I'm done with this. I'm not quitting on you, but I am kind of quitting on you. I don't really trust you anymore because you know what? You didn't live up to my expectation. This is what I get. I remember how it goes. You're going to do the same thing you've always done. Like we have those thoughts, right? We have those, that heart inside of us. And so today, I want you to see what Jesus has for us. I want you to read the whole verse this time. For we were once in darkness, but now we're in light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Man, that's what a marriage is all about, right? Goodness, truth, righteousness. And find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose the deeds of darkness. We don't hide our bad deeds. We expose them. And that's the complete opposite of our life, right? Like instead of hiding in shame, we're like, hey, I really screwed up. I'll be the first to admit it. I know immediately when I'm talking to somebody, if they're not like, I have responsibility in something, I'm like, man, you need some work. Like that is total pride, right? We're not supposed to have the pride. We're supposed to have humility. We're supposed to not hide. We're supposed to expose. I'll say this. You never find healing in the darkness. You never find healing in darkness. If you believe the lie that you're going to do this on your own, that is a bad step. Satan is telling you that like, hey, you're going to overcome that by yourself. That's not going to happen. You're not going to overcome a sin. You're not going to fix your marriage on your own. Shame grows best in the dark. So often that we live in, in these secret moments, right? Like the shame, the guilt, all these things drive us in there and we go back to the same thing. And God's standards are so much higher than maybe we even think about ourselves. It says in Ephesians 5, 3, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity. So what's impurity? Impurity is a substitute. It's a substitute for the real thing. It's a fake thing. It's a thing that we fall in love with even though we shouldn't. Purity is a poison. It destroys our intimacy with God. God designed us to be pure. That means 100% righteous, 100% good, holy. He designed us for purity, but if there's impure things in our life, they separate us from our relationship on earth and also relationship with God. Intimacy. Intimacy. So much we want intimacy, amen? Like we want people to know us and to love us and to believe us. I want to go home and die and go, great job, babe. Like I redesigned this case for church, which took me way too long this week. And it was like three days of welding and putting carpet on this, all for like rolling something in. And I'm like, come on, babe. God, tell me, great job, you know. Like I'm standing next to it. It's like one in the morning. What do you think of this? Like, it's great. She's on her phone, like <laughs> texting and stuff. I was like, cool, babe, I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get, right? We want those words of affirmation. We want people to believe in us. We want to be built up. We want, we want that for, our, for each other. But it all starts with being honest. Like, we don't have to hide from our sin. We don't have to hide from other people. God wants us to be pure. Here's the problem. We draw the line in the wrong place. Like, we draw a line like, I'm not that bad because adultery. There's a line here. Look at that. It's a line. This is adultery. Like, I'm not over here. I'm right here. But the line's all back here, right? The 10,000 choices we made to get to over that line. Like, so many times we just draw the line in the wrong, the wrong spot. Like, we think, oh, I'm not that bad. I'm 
I'm not cross the line. But we are, right? We're looking at things. We're like, you know, it's, you cross the line at the gym, amen? You're working out like, whoa. You just cross the line, like in all seriousness. Like that's the beginning. Like we allow ourselves to go way over there, even though God says, hey, impure thought right here. Impure thought. God's standards are so much higher. Jesus said it very clear where the line was. He said, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The line started at the gym, right? It started with watching that thing. It started with looking at something. It started with giving your heart away to that guy. It started with flirting that person at work. It started with something super small, and then we crossed the line way back there, but we end up over here. And so we don't draw the line up way up here. We start back here. And so Solomon says this about the line of sin. So in Proverbs 5, 8, it says, Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Man, you know, there's, there's people out there like, that will pursue you. They want that relationship with you, especially in leadership. People will get jealous of, of your relationships, right? And there's people in your life that say, hey, I'm going to pursue you. And you're like, hey, I can't pursue you. I'm married, right? I'm married. So you got to just walk around her, right? But you don't even go around here. You just say, hey, I'm going to make my house over here. See you later. Like, there's stuff in my life I have to have in place so this stuff doesn't happen. I'm not, I'm not alone with women, right? Like, as a leader, like, I'm not going to get in a situation where I'm going to get attached to somebody. Like, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where this is going to happen. Like, I've got to draw lines on what I see, what I put on my computer, what things I look at. There's no secrets in my relationship. I can't have secrets. You know, Jesus was extreme. He actually said, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. You know, there's going to be like a men's group at our church with like cyclopses that are one-armed people, right? Like, no! You know? Like, that's going to be every guy, right? So don't literally cut your arm off, okay? If you do that, I'll pray for you. But... But seriously, like, we struggle, right? We struggle, but we draw the line back here. Like, man, I shouldn't have thought about that. I shouldn't have entertained that. I shouldn't have looked at this. Not over here where it's, like, self-destruction mode. And so what does this mean for me? That means we have a relationship with no secrets. Like, intimacy. We have to be people that are open, people that are transparent. And so for me, what does it look like? I have passwords on all my stuff. Okay, my computer, my phone, my internet, my YouTube accounts, all the stuff. My wife has my passwords. My overseers have my passwords. I gave them to them. They didn't even ask for them. I said, hey, guys, I want you to have anything you want, anything you want, anytime you want it, any, any place, you have it. You have full access. You want my personal banking statement? You want, you want my... Well, my Facebook account stuff, you want to check my internet history, you want to do whatever, you can do it. I give you permission to hold me accountable from the stupid sin inside my life so I don't go down that road. This is a culture of no secrets. And same for my spouse. She has all permission in the world to go, hey, what's on your phone? What are you doing? What's this over here? What's that? She knows every dollar I spend, right? Because I am the spender. I don't know why, but I like spending money. Maybe that's my guilty, uh, whatever it's called. What? That's work, Adam. I like that. But, you know, the thing is, like, she knows everything. I don't have a separate bank account, okay? Like, we don't have a play money. Like, she looks all of them and goes, what is this? What were you doing at Quick Trip at 3 in the morning? You know, just kidding. I didn't go there. Maybe I did. But on my phone, there's a, it's kind of Android. I don't know where. It kind of, phones have changed. But X3 Watch used to have all over my phone, all, all over my computers. Just protect yourself. Logs websites, keeps you from browsing stuff you shouldn't see. And it's not because I'm doing it, it's because I don't want to be caught doing it. I don't want to get down that road. Why in the world would I put myself in a position tomorrow where I could be tempted, or today I can just avoid it completely? And so I draw the line way back here, like, hey, we're going to draw a line here. Because you're always tempted to the next level, amen? 
You're always tempted next level up. And so I'm going to draw a line where if I'm tempted, I don't just like fall off the place of the planet. And so uh, my wife, she stalks me. I don't know what's going on. But apparently find my iPhone um, app or whatever the thing is on your phone. She likes to just trace me around, you know. She's like, oh, he's still, he's still working at the shop over there. Uh, he's at Taco Bell still. Uh, he's still at church. I mean, seriously, am I wrong? I don't, I'm getting spooking out. She's, if my phone dies and she can't stalk me, she begins to pray that I'm still alive. You know what I'm saying? She's like, I think he died. And I came home, my phone had died. And she's like, are you alive? I'm like, yeah, babe. She's like, your phone went on. I'm like, I'm praying for you, babe. But a culture of no secrets. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from the line. You know, I married my best friend. I married somebody that I absolutely love. I married somebody I want to spend the rest of my life with. I want to be, I want to be the best husband. She is the father of my kids. Okay, the one coming, right? She's, I've done so much life together. It's father of my kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can we just cut that up? Can I just fall off the stage and replace that moment? Wow. Sorry, babe. I don't know what to say. Well, mother of my kids. Perfect. Well, you'll remember something today, at least. But anyway, I want to spend the rest of life with her. But anyway, it's been such a blessing. We've been married for 10 years. And honestly, it's so awesome to know somebody that knows so much about even yourself and loves you, right? And you want to plant the seeds of things that are going to grow, that are going to be righteous and holy and good. And I'm just telling you, it starts with the small things. It starts with the small things. It doesn't start with the big things. It starts with all the small stuff. And so I'm so blessed to be married to my wife for 10 years and still loving, going strong. I feel like this year has been the better years, right? Like we start off and it's like, oh man, it's great forever. And then we had foster kids like, whoa, this is crazy. And then we have our own boy. I'm like, man, I love this boy. Like wish I, had, I wish I had kids 10 years ago. Now I didn't have all the money I had now to do all that, but you know, it worked out, right? Like I'm like, man, Jack, like this is so awesome. I wish I would have had some kids and ran with them. And so blessed that I'm hoping to have 15 or 20. I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's looking at me. When next kid's born, I'm going to make it a personal habit of mine to tell you, man, we got to have another one. She's going to kill me. Anyway, I want to invite Diane up here just to talk a little bit about how to live a life of purity, how to stay pure. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 911, it says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might sin against you. So how do we live a life of purity? We follow the word of God. See, when you read the word of God and you put the word of God in your heart, it changes you. The Bible says it's sharper to your sword. It cuts asunder. It builds you up. It strings you, encourages you. It gives you conviction. It actually makes you draw the line farther away. Like you, be, you used to love sin, right? Like I love sin. And sin's always tempting us. But the more I know Jesus, the more I'm just like, just hate sin. The more I'm just irritated myself for like struggling with the things I'm struggling with because God's word has changed me in the inside because I'm being renewed. My mind's being renewed. My strength's being renewed. And Jesus has changed me inside out. And so hide the word in your heart. It transforms us from the inside out. You know, God's word makes sin less attractive. And so for us, like I want to share, have Diane share just about living a life of purity and what that looks like. How do we stay pure in a marriage? How do we stay pure on our own? So give it up for Diane, my wife. <laughs> Men and women are different, amen. 
Um, <laughs> so I guess that's why I get to come up here and talk on all these marriage things, because Sean's like, we need a girl perspective. I'm kind of weirdly a dude. So, um, But I think one, the hugest reason why purity is so important is because, like Sean has been saying, it does, it paves the way for intimacy. And I think of all the gifts that God gave us in marriage and relationships and that kind of stuff, what makes marriage so special is that it has that ability to be intimate. And not just, you know, physically intimate, but also emotionally. And I know, like, as a girl, like, I'm emotional. And I'm not, like, a super, like, emotional girl. But even then, like, I, my emotions and who I am, those things drive me. And they drive the decisions I make and how I perceive things. And I think... One of the things I've learned kind of along the way of life that's so important about purity, and especially from the side of keeping myself pure, is really being like a champion of Sean. And I see a lot of times like at work and different places where people are like, oh, my husband did this, my husband did that. And you can really get into this habit of like constantly, not even always with him, but, you know, tearing him down and things like that. And one area I've really chosen practically to guard myself is that I don't have those conversations with other people. Like, if there's something that is frustrating me with Sean, I'd tell him about it, you know, which maybe he doesn't like either. But it's, it, it protects me and it keeps me pure because I think a lot of ways women that I've, you know, seen kind of stray from their marriages and build that divide with each other has been, well, my husband didn't do this or that. But this other guy I know, when I talk to him about how my husband's making me upset, like, he understands and he listens and he doesn't do that. And all of a sudden, I've created this, like, emotional attachment and this relationship that's substituting what God intended me to have with my spouse. And so that's just kind of one practical way that I've learned, like, purity is so important. And even within marriage, you know, like, God's word says to, you know, protect your heart. Like, every part of your life, every motive, everything comes out of that. So if I have an impure motive in my heart about my relationship with Sean or, you know, any relationship I'm doing, like, that pours out of my actions and my words and things. So that's something that's been super important. Um, And like Sean said, you know, some other things like how do you build that trust? How do you build that intimacy? And I think creating, like he said, that access to each other. Like, yeah, I stalk you. You said you're going to be home two hours ago. And I'm like, you're still at Barry's house. So it's just one of those things. (laughs) But, you know, it's like I don't want you to be dead. I work in an ER, so my brain's automatically like, which road were you on? And what hospital is closest to that that the ambulance would have taken you to if you should be dead that I need to, you know, it's a weird ER nurse thing. It's fine. But, you know, having that access and knowing what each other's doing to be able to look over and say, who are you texting? Like, yeah, we have our thumbprints on both of our phones, so I don't even have to know your password. I just have to touch it, you know? It's, it's, it's that openness. And what that creates is vulnerability. And kind of like what Sean was saying, like when you're without shame, when you create that intimacy in a place where you can be that way, it's easy to be vulnerable when you feel comfortable. You know, there's nothing worse than you're like naked and ashamed and everyone's staring at you and you're uncomfortable. But when you create that place where you're comfortable, you're like, I don't care if you see me in my sweatpants. And I'm, you know, you have that difference when you are able to be you and not worry about all those things. And that's what a marriage of trust and vulnerability really creates. You know, I'm comfortable there. I know I'm safe there. I'm loved there in that relationship. So that's super important. Um, I think that, you know, overall, um, one of the things I was thinking of this morning, Sean's favorite thing ever is our team values. And we really like spend a lot of time building our culture around here. And one of the biggest things in marriage that creates that trust is the smoke call fire. So in order to create an openness and access and that kind of stuff, I have to be open with him and say, hey, 
you sound irritated. Are you irritated with me? Is there something I can do to help this situation? At the first sign of that, not, well, two months ago you said this and I was kind of upset about it still and now we're still talking about how you're still irritated about this thing that we never got back to talking about. By that time, it's a blazing inferno and we're having some kind of crazy meltdown about something that's really not even that important, but you've let it fester so long rather than just like, hey, today you're upset about that. Is that because of me? Can I fix that? What can we do different? How can we address that right now? And I think there's so many, like Sean said, it's not one big thing of happy, healthy marriage. It's every day, these little steps, these little decisions to make to say, we're in this together. We're in, you know, we love each other and we want the best for each other. And so I think that those are just some of the practical things of how that was a lot of rambling. That's what I do. It's okay. Um, But just purity and trust and vulnerability, I think, are just huge keys that I think every day, how can I build those things more? How can I be more vulnerable with Sean? How can I open myself and be just full access, like whatever you want, not just on my phone, but in my heart and being open with who I am and that kind of stuff. So it's just a little rambling from Diane. (laughs) Nice job. And one of the best things you could probably do as a, as a couple is just ask your spouse, hey, what can I do better? How can I lead our family better? Is there anything you can, do you see inside me that needs to be better? You, you, you give them that permission. You gotta do that. It's really important. Hey, babe, you see something in my life, you call it out. You, you hold the keys, babe. Like, I'm gonna lead, but I need your help. I need your help. I trust you. I want to earn your trust. And so I'm just going to keep depositing that relationship. And so it's just really important to be that man. It doesn't matter what anybody else does, right? You got to lead the way. You got, she's got to trust you with her heart. You got to trust her with your real feelings, not, not your fake ones, the real feelings. You got to tell her what you really think. And so um, for me, what does this really look like? If uh, you were say, what's the, what's the value in this whole conversation today? Uh, there's an exercise, just maybe think through on your own. I can tell what it looks like for me. But what if you did cross the line? Like when you went past the line, What's that look like for you? Like what, what consequences would you have? Some of you guys have been there. Some of you guys are kind of flirting with things you shouldn't flirt with. And I just want you to think about what is the consequence of the action? You know, I think first thing for me would be like just breaking the heart of God. Like God didn't design us to live outside our marriage, but we break the heart of God. I think another thing that be dragging not just my name, my family's name, but the name of this church to the mud, amen? Like I hold, I hold the reputation here. And so when I, when I cross that line, it's just not me. It holds real life behind it. And so that's part of the name that goes with it. The name of Jesus, the name of the church, my name, my family's name. You know, one day I get to meet God face to face. I have to give an account. I'm always motivated by this, but no one's gonna be around me. Like my wife, my kids, no, not my enemies. Nobody's gonna be there. And I gotta look at Jesus square in the eyes and give an account for my life. And there's no excuses. And so I have to, I have to live with that. Um, I imagine one day I have to sit down with my kids and say, hey man, uh, I had this church one time and I uh, really screwed it up. Had a marriage too and things didn't go well. I have to explain to him my brokenness, my failure. I have to lose my reputation. I have to talk to Diane and lose the trust and lose our, our, our relationship and have to rebuild that trust over time. And God can do that, but that, that's the cost. And I don't know where you're at or what you're dealing with, but man, weigh the cost for yourself. You know, just a few moments of selfishness can absolutely change the course of your life. We would say it again, scarce or secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. It's all secrecy. So not to hide from your shame. So I want to encourage you this morning to bring whatever is in the darkness to light. Take whatever that is hidden. Take whatever you're struggling with. Take whatever pain and bring it to light. And if you're receiving somebody's confession 
and they're being honest with you, I pray you'd have grace. I pray you'd have the grace to listen and not to judge and to love like Jesus would love and encourage and build up. It says in Proverbs 28, 13, it says this, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You confess your sin, you find mercy. If you confess your sin to God, you get forgiveness. You confess your sin, God forgives you. He's faithful just to forgive you for every sin. You confess your sin to people and you receive healing. You receive healing. Because when you tell somebody that you're going through something, you've sinned against them, or you're in your heart, you're struggling, I mean, there is healing in that. And I don't know, that's probably one of the biggest relationships that I see in a lot of people's lives that they're missing is I call a spiritual father or somebody you trust. And you confess that sin to your spouse, you confess that sin to a faithful brother or spiritual leader, and there's healing that happens in your heart because you shared it. It's no longer your power that's trying to break through. You have somebody praying for you, somebody holding you accountable, somebody that's changing you from the outside, somebody that's holding you up to a standard, somebody that's loving you, saying, hey, you know what? I've been there, but you know what? God can change it. There's encouragement now. And so I'm so blessed in my life to have those people. But man, today's the day. Use your spouse, find somebody and confess the thing that's in your heart that needs to be confessed, confessed to God. So reach out to somebody, say, man, I need help. I need to get this off my chest. I need, I'm struggling. I'm in this spot. And so God wants so much more for our marriages than maybe what we have right now. And so we talk about the vow that always pursue my number two. The marriage is about we and not about me and confide and not hide from each other. Man, find mercy today, intimacy, restore hope. Marriage will be a testimony to God's goodness if you live it on the foundation of Jesus. Father, we come before you, we pray, God, that your hand and your mercy, God, would heal in this place. God, I pray for people that have open hearts just to look in their own life and say, man, my marriage could be better. God, how can I make it better? God, I want to share that with somebody. I want to make it better today. God, I pray you do the work only you can do inside of us. God, I pray for our marriages, God, to grow. God, I pray that you'd, that a perfect work would be done, God, just in this moment, this morning. You know, whether you're single or you're married today, and you say, hey, yes, I'm a Jesus follower. I wanna live a life of purity. I recognize that there's temptation all around me, but the power of God can change my life. Man, I wanna step out of the darkness today. I wanna step into the light of Jesus. I wanna break through a battle I've been in. I want God to just bring me out of the darkness. I wanna be readjusted to the light of Jesus. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.